the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode is especially dedicated to Ilurophiles, a word I just learned that means lover of cats. Ben, I thought you were about to say a word I just made up, but it sounds too fancy and sciencey for that to be the case. I don't know this word either, Ben. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, A-I-L-U-R-O file. Also, a cat fancier. Uh, we've got some. We've got a bunch of um, fans of cats, dogs, pets, animals in general in the crowd today. And note here uh, that my pal Noel and I are ourselves cat owners, so this will necessarily be a two-part episode. You know, there's always been this kind of, I would say, a, a false divide between dog lovers and cat lovers. There are some people who feel like those things are mutually exclusive, but Noel, I um I, I see it in some people, but usually I disagree. I think I think especially the rise of the cat memes and videos online have, have done a lot for the reputations of our feline friends. What would you say? I would agree with that. And Ben, I was reminded just the other day of a, uh, a little brief period in cat internet meme video culture where people were spooking their cats with cucumbers. Mm -hmm. You guys remember this? Mm-hmm. Uh, there seemed to be a very universal reaction. Cats would not, not only get spooked, they would just jump straight up in the air. I'm assuming they, they thought it was a snake or something like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know why that uh, popped out from my, my mental index the other day. But I went and looked at like a nice supercut of all of them. And, and sure enough, every single cat jumped straight up in the air. But it's true, mm. Ben. Cats, the internet has really made cats 
kind of a universal thing, whether it's like your grumpy cat, your little bub. Remember little bub when we were owned by Discovery Channel? We yes. Were the, he was technically our, our co-worker. Yes. Uh, and while you're on the internet, by the way, uh, you can also go to Public and check out our Ridiculous History swag featuring a t-shirt with none other than super producer Casey Pegram. Casey, I, I don't want people to equate you with uh, Little Bub. Uh, we we make high quality memes here at Ridiculous History. Only the best memes here. <laughs> Only the best. Yeah, for the longest time I thought it was little bubs, but it is not plural. He's just a single bub. Um, but you know the thing about cats too is the expression "herding cats" comes to mind uh, as possibly a good argument for why maybe cat shows aren't as much of a thing as dog shows. Dogs can be trained; they prance around on command. They're much more beholden to their masters. Cats are kind of notoriously fickle and kind of do whatever they want. And I'm assuming there still are cat shows, but you don't really hear about them in the same way as you would, like, say, the Westminster Dog Show. But it turns out that there is, we can pinpoint, the world's very first cat show. Uh, and it wasn't held in Westminster, mind you, but it was held at the St. Giles Fair in Winchester, uh, also in England, in 1598. It's true. Uh, we We don't know much about this first cat show other than that date. In fact, some historians challenge whether it occurred at all, but we know that in the following years, other cat owners may have hosted uh, similar, somehow lesser known affairs. Uh, the, the event that finally put cat shows on the map was a national competition at London's Crystal Palace in 1871. And a huge reason for feline popularity in the UK after that time uh, was a man named Harrison Weir. He was an artist. Uh, he was also the father of Cat Fancy. That is his, that is his name. That's how he's known. Uh, he is responsible for writing the first pedigree cat book with, with the lovely title, Our Cats and All About Them. Uh, he also founded the UK National Cat Club. You know, the thing with breeding animals and dog shows and, um, Oh, there's also a contest for like the most beautiful goat in some country. I can't remember which one. Uh, the thing about those, all those shows is they set standards for specific cat breeds. So like uh, a Persian cat then gets this quantifiable list of things that make them the most uh, Persian of cats. Or what's the most, the most jellical of cats? Right? Am I getting that right? Jellical? The je the jellical cats. The most absurd concept in, in oh. all of Broadway musical history. What does it even mean? What what is a jellical cat? Nobody knows. I, I watched the first uh not the entirety, but maybe the first segment of the live action cats. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, it's nightmare fuel, my friend. It is uh uh not good. A and and dare I say actively uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm a I'm a proponent of personal liberty in many situations. So even if drugs aren't for me, I think it's fine for people to experiment. I just don't think it should affect your work. Mm, yeah, it's true. Uh, what's the guy's name? Toby something? Tom Hooper is his name. Uh, Odd choice with that one. He really went down the Broadway rabbit hole. The King's Speech was a fine little film. And then his Les Mis is quite good, actually. But this was just, he really jumped the cat uh, on this one. And can you imagine if they had left the buttholes in? I want to see that cut. There's apparently a cut where the uh, weird anthropomorphized, over-sexualized cat people have 
cat buttholes. I heard that. I heard that from one of my friends who um, who got a little bit steamed with me because he saw cats in the theater. Remember, this came out pre-pandemic, and I was roasting him about it. And I was like, ah, you secretly love this film. And he said, no, here are some facts about it. And he's the one who hipped me to the uh, – the infamous butthole edit, which is sort of like the Snyder edit of cats. <laughs> exactly. It's a very, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to come out eventually. I saw it in the theaters too, by the way, uh, with my kid. Oh, and wow. both of the, throughout the whole thing, we were just looking at each other like uncomfortably, just like, what even is this? Uh, but, you know, I can't, I, I won't walk out of a movie no matter how unbearably bad it is. Uh, but here's the thing Cats, the musical. Uh, has always kind of had a bit of a bad rap. Uh, it's very, very, very popular, but very perplexing. A lot of people don't get it. It's a little odd. It's not, you know, it's, it seems like the kind of uh, Broadway show that was very much the product of the time and cocaine, um, I'm going to argue. But, you know, it made a lot of money. It was one of the longest-running Broadway shows in history. Cats, as a species, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, also got a bit of a bad rap throughout history, didn't they? That's right. And, you know, staying on Cats, the adaptation for just one moment, my primary question watching this, I want to open this to the rest of our fellow ridiculous historians, is uh, what would T.S. Eliot think? Would he dig it? Would he be like 4.5 stars? Where, where are the buttholes? I don't know. <laughs> question lost to history. But you are, you are right about Cats. Noel, they've been a divisive creature in human culture. Uh, Part of their behavior can be explained by the fact that cats appear to have domesticated themselves rather than having been bred into domestication the way wolves eventually were bred into dogs. Yeah, further proof that they do not need us. (laughs) Right, right. Well, it's just uh, human beings being a relatively filthy species generated a lot of trash, which generates a lot of vermin, which works out for cats. Anyway, we know that cats have gone through ups and downs in their career. They have been at times lauded as sacred beings, and they have been also, you know, the subject of much mistrust. In ancient Egypt, people loved cats. This is proven conclusively in the archaeological record. In fact, a fun thing I learned recently, the word for cats in ancient Egyptian was mao, or like meow, M-A-U. Really? Mm-hmm. That's where the automatopoeia of a cat sound came from, huh? There's some meme out there. You guys got to see it where where you learned the ancient Egyptian word for cat was mal. And it's like you picture an ancient Egyptian saying, what the heck are you? And the cat goes, meow. And they go, oh, all right. Yeah. See, they even named themselves. Totally don't need us. We are absolutely an afterthought. Uh, but the uh, the Egyptians did need cats. That's the thing, much more than the cats needed them uh, because they were basically worshipped, right? The, many of their goddesses and, and, and the pantheon of like Egyptian kind of uh, deities uh, had anthropomorphic animal-type features, and Bastet uh, was an ancient Egyptian goddess of love who had the head of a cat. So, therefore, the killing of a cat in Egypt was a big no-no. Uh, it would actually be punishable by death. I'm pretty sure a lot of things in ancient Egypt were probably punishable by death, mm-hmm. but killing a cat was definitely one of them. Absolutely. And this uh, this care for cats was something that ancient Romans would have recognized. Their love of felines was a little bit more secular 
uh, because cats were seen as a symbol of liberty. And then even more practical, the further east you go, uh, in the Far East, cats were considered valuable to society because they hunted rodents that could otherwise damage manuscripts and documents. Uh, and then, for some reason, cats got a really bad image in Europe during the Middle Ages. You know what we're talking about? Black cats, witches, mm -hmm. black mass. Yeah, the old uh, the old image of the cats is like a witch's trusty familiar. Uh, the idea that they were somehow a liaison, you know, between the the practitioner of black magic and the devil himself. Um, so this was a time. This was basically a, a cat apocalypse where they were just killed left and right um, in a completely misplaced effort to, you know, vanquish evil, right? And and when I say misplaced, I mean not only ideologically, but also practically, because it caused the rodent infestation to absolutely swell and led to, you got it, the Black Plague. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, 
a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This dislike of cats continues in Europe for some time. Uh, you can read no small amount of dissertations arguing various, uh, various reasons why cats got such a bad rep in this part of the world. Over at the Boston Globe, in their article, The Crazy History of the Cat Lady, uh, they point out that some scholars argue cats have been part of households as pest control since humans settled into the agricultural era. That's true. Uh, but they remained aloof, and because they were not uh, domesticated or assimilated into the social hierarchy the same way dogs were, this may have upset the Christian hierarchical ordering of life on earth at the time, which was like man at top and then other things. Uh, so cats who were kind of in this liminal space between the wild and the domestic were always going to be a little bit sus. Uh, also, we should mention, speaking of a more brutal time, Noel, uh, when you said a lot of things may have gotten you the death penalty in Egypt, uh, a lot of animals were frequently tortured or killed for sport. Uh, so people who were overly into cats were also seen as kind of sus. Like, hey, we we torture these things for fun. You're you're getting real weird, Agnes or Tobias or whatever. Which is strange because cats, like you said, throughout history have always served a really functional role. Uh, even in the Middle Ages, they killed vermin, mice, rats, and the like. Uh, things that would have uh, potentially contaminated people's food supply or, or water. Or just, you know, they're kind of gross and you definitely don't want them crawling all over your house. So bad rap aside, uh, cats absolutely have always kind of like played an important role because I mean, dogs, I guess will do that kind of, or you can train them to, to do it, but it's not something they just kind of have a natural inclination to do. And cats will do it whether you, whether you want them to or not. I used to have an indoor outdoor cat that would just constantly leave weird. Speaking of cats being uh, liaisons of the devil would leave weird vivisected animal parts at my front stoop. Like, Literally, almost like a staged serial killer crime scene from like seven or something. It was quite, uh, quite horrific and terrifying. Uh, it's only indoor cats for me from now on. There's a really great quote from William Caxton uh, about this relationship that cats have with uh, little creatures like that. And it goes, the devil playeth oft with the saner, like as the cat doth with the mouse. So there you go. Mm-hmm. The idea being that uh, cats catching mice are uh, employing tactics similar to how the devil catches human souls. It's mm -hmm. a bit of a leap. Uh, you know, later we'll find as a species that 
this behavior, which is very common in cats, this behavior of, of giving mostly dead or dead animals to their human pals is somewhere between trying to teach you to hunt, the implication being that you suck at hunting, or trying to feed you. So their intentions are good, but they're wildly misread. And I can, I can understand that. Like, nobody's, why are you bringing me this? Um, by the 12th century or so, people really normalize this association with felines and the devil. Around 1180, Walter Mapp uh, published something wherein he examines his ideas of satanic rituals. And he says, it, it goes down like this. The devil descends as a black cat before his devotees. The worshippers put out the light and draw near to the place where they saw their master. They feel after him, and when they have found him, they kiss him under the tail. So, <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> so they're like cat butt kissing. Uh, that's what Walter Mapp thought happened during, uh, during these satanic rituals and then you would think okay maybe this is just an artifact of the times right maybe this is just a fad that goes away but it didn't change post middle ages did it Noel? no it didn't at all in fact it got worse cats became even more linked with black magic and uh, and witchery and all of that uh, agnes waterhouse who is the first woman in england who was executed for witchcraft um in 1566 confessed to having a cat and uh, keeping it as a familiar, which I love that term, by the way, a familiar being just an animal kind of uh, that you keep, that a witch keeps around or, or a wizard keeps around. Uh, and, and, you know, usually you can use them to, I almost act as like a surrogate kind of like you, they, they, they'll do your bidding, you know, in theory or whatever, or they'll like do things for you or they'll, you know, potentially do things, you know, to others on your behalf. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I'd, I'd love to, to hear a little bit more about the history of that term familiar. But uh, reporting uh, on this at the time uh, said that Waterhouse called the cat Satan and actually set it to kill her husband in return for feeding it her own blood. Yikes. Yeah. Without knowing the details of their marriage, maybe it's unfair for us to uh, to assume that was uh, not a deal on the up and up. You know, maybe it made sense. Maybe it made sense. When you had all the factors together. Well, like maybe he had it coming. Maybe, maybe. Uh, so here we are. Cats have already had uh, some skyrocketing social highs and some physically dangerous social lows. If you fast forward to the 1860s, the average cat is considered like lower working class now because they catch rats and you shouldn't have rats in a nice house. So they're street animals. They're considered useful because they hunt vermin, but they're not really considered like cute, cuddly companion animals. Uh, even Charles Darwin complains about them in On the Origin of the Species. And Windsor Magazine says that they're just a necessary household appendage. So if you think about it, back at that time, snuggling with a cat would be like having a really deep emotional relationship with your blender. It, mm -hmm. did, it didn't make sense to people. They might not burn you at the stake anymore, but they would be like, wow, blender lady is weird. Absolutely. Um, and, and even moreover, the fact that they were seen as unclean because of their relationship with vermin and the fact that they always were killing them, one would assume that they 
you know, are covered in that same kind of filth. Um, which, to be fair, if you have an outdoor cat, uh, you're probably snuggling with a cat that has, you know, vivisected creatures out in the wild. So word to the wise there. But anyway, it's interesting. As time goes on, cats become polarizing interestingly enough like i mean they, they kind of always already have been a little bit but this is it really like takes it to the next level there's an absolute split on people's opinions about cats in the 19th century yeah so at the beginning of what we call the victorian era today cats and animals in general were becoming more and more popular if you went to a classy victorian home you would see plants you would see animals and if people were really bawling out, you would see some fish. Uh, this is also, by the way, the age uh, where the garden hermit fad took off. You guys remember that from our earlier episode where you just paid somebody to be weird at your backyard? Just to hang out in your garden. Yeah, mm -hmm. very strange. Big, that was on our Weird Flex episode, I believe, yeah? Yes, yes, I believe that's correct. Uh, that, by the way, quick sidebar, there's, a, <laughs> there's this guy in Japan who figured out this amazing thing. Uh, he was my hero of the week a few weeks ago. There, there's a guy, he's working right now. I know this because we're Twitter friends. Uh, he's working right now where you can rent him to do nothing. He will hang out with you. He will respond to simple, non-philosophical questions, and he will just sort of go do stuff that you, he will go stand around while you do stuff. Uh, what is, what's, what's that guy's name? Looks like it's Shoji Morimoto. That's right. Casey on the case. So he's like a professional, like guy on the couch. He's a professional mooch, essentially. Yeah. I, he, he's a professional, just hang out with you companion person. I guess he's kind of a professional cat. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, shout out, shout out to you, sir. Uh, there's a great Vice article about him if you'd like to learn more. Uh, so there's this interesting thing. So some scholars, like author Kathleen Keat, who wrote *The Beast in the Boudoir: Pet Keeping in 19th Century Paris*, argue that there's a compensation thing going on here in the upper class. They're saying that the, the people who are really classy, the pet owners, were in fact compensating for their inability to control the lower working classes of humans. So they would put that desire for domination into keeping pets and plants. That is brilliant. What a power move. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can't you know, uh, you can't exercise any autonomy over your own life. So here, have have this like small creature to take care of and, and exert dominance over. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, I I can relate. <laughs> Honestly, I think that sentiment still holds true a little bit today. Um, so here's the thing: as as this kind of oh, I don't know. I guess you could call it renaissance of, of, of cats, uh, pets in general, but cats in particular, uh, came around. Uh, there was a kind of a new movement established um, to give them, to treat them more like members of the family instead of just like furniture or, you know, 
functional kind of doers like rat, rat catchers. Roombas. Exactly, rat roombas. Uh, this this idea of kind of imbuing them with feelings and emotions, and that they were like one of us. This became a thing in 1850. The Gramman Law in France uh, officially prohibited the abuse of animals there, uh, which is a big deal. It seems like duh, like that's something that we take for granted. The idea of animal cruelty, but to your point, Ben, earlier in the Middle Ages and beyond, uh, animals, cats in particular, were very universally tortured. Yeah, absolutely. It it was an accepted fact of life. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many 
different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. So we're going to dive into this. Where do we get this weird social thing about uh, cat ladies, quote unquote? The bond between women and cats seems to become even more pronounced during the 19th century, at least in terms of uh, social acknowledgement of Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of people had said that they had said that there was something specifically between female members of the human species, as they identified at the time, and cats in a history of French passions Anxiety and Hypocrisy, Volume 5, by the way, France. (laughs) Sorry, Casey. It's just crazy. There are five volumes of this. Have you ever heard of this book? I have not. I'm uh, I'm intrigued, but I have to say I'm probably not likely to read it. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'll give you... I, I don't know if I'm going to read volume one and four. It may prejudice us against the country, but... It's okay. We can just excerpt. We can just excerpt. We can just excerpt. So uh, Theodore Zeldin, the author of this book, notes that many contemporaneous observers said women are lavishing affection on all kinds of animals, especially cats, because it's a refuge from the brutality and all the, all the terrible behavior they have to accept from men. That's and that's crazily enough. That's the positive spin. There's a negative spin here as well. Oh boy, is there ever! And I just want to say that this, 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 the thing you just described is very much in keeping with that previous kind of notion of of like lower class, for example, or you know, folks that don't have very much control over their lives being able to kind of like get that out, uh, or at least that frustration out by taking care of pets and feeling like superior. This takes it to a much more gendered and kind of offensive direction. Uh, even the even the nice version that you just mentioned is a little bit sexist. The idea that women. Uh, are lavishing all this attention on these animals because they're, you know, less than or but then, you know, if you wanted to look at it in terms of the reality, I mean, it was a brutal time for women where men absolutely dominated all aspects of society and treated women like chattel, essentially. Um, and of course, leave it to men to to take this and, and turn it in even more of a horrible misogynist direction in saying that women and cats shared the same whorish disposition. Uh, in some way, they had qualities that were compared to sex workers or prostitutes, what they would have called. Um, just another way of, of kind of like, you know, keeping, keeping women down uh, and using this thing that might have been a nice respite from, you know, the horrors of uh, male-dominated society uh, and turning it around as another way of kind of othering women and saying, yeah, of course you're hanging out with cats. So there's there's a quote here, I want to warn people, uh, this aged like milk. Uh, in 1855, author Alphonse Toussenel said, 
An animal so keen on maintaining her appearance, so silky, so tiny, so eager for caresses, so ardent and responsive, so graceful and supple. An animal that makes the night her day and who shocks decent people with the noise of her orgies can only have one single analogy in the world, and that analogy is of the feminine kind. And he goes on and on and on. uh, And then at the very end, he says, of whom are we writing? Of the cat or of the other, meaning women? This guy must have been a lot of fun at parties and first dates. (laughs) Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, he went on to to double down and added lazy and frivolous and spending entire days in contemplation and sleep while pretending to be hunting mice, You're referring to cats, I'm assuming, not women, uh, incapable of the least effort when it comes to anything repugnant, but indefatigable when it is a matter of pleasure, of play, of sex, love of the night. Haha, <laughs> yeah, this guy's a real piece of work. The other here is women. Yep. Yep. And then he goes on to talk about either the cat or the human females in gratitude and aridity of heart. I think, I think Alphonse had some stuff to work out. I think at the end, he didn't know which he was accusing of what, but anyhow, this leads us into the idea of the crazy cat lady. So, It may have started, of course, with the concept of witches and familiars in the 1500s, in Europe at least. But by the late 1700s, we see the emergence of what will become the modern cat lady stereotype. Around this time, as many as one out of five women would not end up being married. And again, a very misogynistic time when uh, women were evaluated as worthy or unworthy based on their whether or not they were married. So this was a huge problem in England at the time. The Protestant Reformation of the 1540s had made convents no longer really a thing. So if you are uh, the, the head of a household, you can't just send your unmarried daughters off to the convent anymore. And there's a rock and a hard place situation because also – it's unseemly if you're a woman for you to work. So mm-hmm. unmarried women became like the way cats were characterized earlier. They became treated like appendages of their relatives' households. And they were called, that's where they, you know, they were called spinsters and things like that. Uh, and they often led lives, even if they were financially well-to-do and didn't have to worry about food or uh, having shelter. Uh, they were often living these pretty, isolated, unhappy lives, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it really is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? I mean, they're absolutely treated like second-class citizens. They're not given the opportunities to take care of themselves, and then they ultimately become this kind of, like, uh, source for ridicule, like as, as, as if they have done something wrong or as if this is, like, a choice that they've made. It's, it's, it's really 
pretty disgusting. Uh, so you had this kind of type emerge, and and the most iconic version uh, historically of the, the cat lady is someone by the name of Gertrude Savills, who lived in the time of King George in England, um, and was kind of seen as the archetype uh, of, of, the, of the cat lady, and was parodied in cartoons, and was kind of seen as the prototypical cat lady. Uh, moving into the Victorian era, the stereotypes of the old maid, and like, you know, uh, Bevy of like feline counterparts became such a kind of running gag that in an 1880 issue of the Dundee Courier, uh, they declared that, quote, the old maid would not be typical of her class without the cat, uh, but one cannot exist without the other. So th- they were inextricably linked. Um, and, you know, cats were at this time even viewed like we view them today largely as being pretty sp- pretty clever, uh, very self-involved. Again, the idea of not really needing humans. But on the other hand, the spinsters or the old maids were seen as being somehow like kind of insane or eccentric, uh, you know, having burned all their bridges and squandered all their opportunities. Um, the term blighted hopes was used in that Dundee Courier article. Uh, and here's, here's a full quote. Uh, old maids and cats have long been proverbially associated together, and rightly or wrongly, these creatures have been looked upon with a certain degree of suspicion and aversion by a large proportion of the human race. There's nothing at all surprising in the old maid choosing a cat as a household pet or companion. Solitude is not congenial to human nature, and a poor, forlorn female shut up in a cheerless garret, brooding all alone over her blighted hopes, there it is, would naturally center her affections on some of the lower animals, and none could be more congenial as a pet and companion than a kindly, purring pussy. I conjecture that, etymologically speaking, uh, this would be part of the reason or around the same time uh, that we uh, that we see the emergence of that slang word for genitalia because of that association. Mm-hmm. Now I was thinking the same thing. Okay, okay. I think this is the perfect place to take a pause uh, and, and we'll resume this two-parter on Thursday. In the meantime, huge thanks to super producer Casey Pegram, Alex Williams, who composed our theme, Gabe Luzier, researcher extraordinaire. Big, big thanks to Christopher Hasiotis. Big, big thanks to Eves Jeffcoat, who we need to have back on the show again. Uh, and, of course, as always, uh, big thanks to our own indoor-outdoor cat, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Uh, go ahead. Feel free to uh, send some of your pet pictures our way. You can find us on the internet. Uh, go to facebook.com, type in Ridiculous Historians. Uh, that is our show's community page. All you have to do is answer a question, uh, something very easy, like identifying super producer Casey Pegram, my pal Noel, or myself, or just, you know, make us laugh, have a pun. Uh, and then you can you can find the show on Instagram and Twitter as well. It's probably going to be more enjoyable to follow us as individuals. That's correct. You can find me on Instagram where I am at how now Noel Brown. How about you, sir? Folks, cat fanciers and cat haters alike, you can find me and message me your pet pictures directly. I am at Ben Bullen on Instagram. I am at Ben Bullen HSW on Twitter. That's so weird that the Egyptian word for cat is 
now. Yeah, it's weird, but also makes too much sense. Uh, and hey, while you're on the internet, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice, but preferably Apple Podcasts. It helps people discover the show and helps us, uh, you know, feel good about ourselves when you say nice things. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.